The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Hey, it's Friday. Look at that. It is a Black Friday. Have you had some fun shopping today? Maybe online, maybe in store? Let me know what's uh, maybe that great deal that you scored. I'd love to hear from you at 780-496-0063. Did some online shopping already this morning. Might do a little bit more tonight. We'll talk about Black Friday and we'll talk about the fact that many of you would rather shop now than on Boxing Day. We'll do that just after 3 o'clock at 3.30 this afternoon. We'll talk to um, a couple of people involved with a really cool project that is taking place today and tomorrow in Edmonton and Milan. And it's bringing together some of the, the world's best young thinkers to come up with solutions to some of the challenges being faced in the world today. We'll, we'll do that. Plus, at 2.30, Honeymoon Suite, Johnny D., Lead vocalist and Peter Nunn, the uh, keyboardist from Honeymoon Suite, going to be in studio here at 6.30 Ched. Also want to remind you at 4.20 this afternoon, another word of the day, your chance to win your way into that great prize package. Thanks to our friends at Japanese Village and the Edmonton Oilers. You'll get in on the uh, Oilers team photo and so, so much more. We'll also keep an update on the news out of London where that terror attack occurred today. Plus, we'll give you the latest on the news about, uh, what was it, 500 or more uh, frontline nurses being cut from their jobs in uh, in the months to come. But right now, wanted to get to this. Andrew Scheer in Alberta today. He'll be giving a speech to the United Conservative Party Convention, the AGM that's underway in Calgary. It comes at the end of a tough week for the Conservative leader. Uh, There have been direct calls for his resignation as well as direct campaigns aimed at getting him out. Last night, he met with party supporters in Ottawa, heard a range of opinions on why he failed to form a majority last month. He says the conversations have been helpful. All our conversations have been very, very open and frank and respectful. Obviously, there are people uh, that we were hoping we would see elected and and, uh, we were unsuccessful in providing them with a campaign that would have seen it happen. But we're all focused on learning from what happened in the campaign to finish the job. Learning what happened to finish the job. So at the UCP convention tonight, he will try to explain to people why he should get to stay on and focus on his goals for when the House of Commons returns next week. To take a look at it all, we're joined this afternoon by University of Alberta political scientist Reza Hazmath. Reza, welcome to the show. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me. So give us an idea. You you heard um, the the Tory leader talk there. What does Andrew Scheer have to do tonight in that speech? How important is this speech tonight? I think it's it's a very crucial speech. Uh, First and foremost, he... uh, needs to show the added value he has as the CCP party leader. Um, I mean, the Conservatives increased their share in the popular vote, they increased their seat count, uh, they continue to be the official opposition, but I think the real key question is, um, is Cher the one to lead the UCP in the future? Um, and he really needs to reinforce that he is the potential leader for this in the, in the future. 
lots of people are saying, you know, he's a nice guy, he's a good man, but is that enough to keep his job? There has been a lot of concerns, um, and took this directly, a quote from uh, one of the candidates about his, quote, inability to clearly articulate a distinction between his personal positions on issues like abortion and LGBTQ rights and that of the party. What do you think? You know, that's, that's, that's the actual key element here. So I was looking at the data that shows uh, approval ratings historically. Andrew Scheer has gone from um, his range is 46% to 22% of approval ratings. And that's one of the lowest mm. range in this entire, in entirety uh, of all the major leaders in, in, for Canadian politics. So as a leader, you really got to ask yourselves, what is the added advantage having Andrew Scheer as a leader mm. of UCP? Well, I guess, you know, right now, having another leadership campaign, money-wise, who's there, that sort of thing. But, yeah, the question is, how long can you keep him on uh, for? He says that um, the naysayers are an unfortunate part of the conservative tradition of infighting that rears its head after every election loss. Do you agree with that, or do you disagree with that? Do you think it's more this time? Because, I mean, he has people gunning for him. We have these organized campaigns to get him to get him ousted. What do you think? So I'm, I'm, I look at the data. I always look at the data. Mm. And what we're seeing is it's really, I mean, this is not surprising. It's a regionally sort of um, Canadian sort of map when it came to the votes. So the prairies, uh, the Conservatives have. Northern Ontario, the Conservatives have. And they've traditionally had those areas. The key thing is, can Andrew Scheer and the Conservative Party go to Quebec or other parts of Ontario or yeah. parts of western B.C.? Can they attract votes there and ridings there? And so the key question people need to ask themselves is, is Andrew Scheer the person to do that? Well, here's the thing, Reza. If he couldn't win that election, <laughs> you know, like, let's be real. If he, if he couldn't win that election, would he, is he going to be able to win the next one? I mean, this one was kind of up for the taking, all things considered. And, and that's the key element here. Is what, can, what is the added benefit of Andrew Scheer? Yeah. Um, you know, it was the most opportune time from the perspective of the UCP to actually get more seats, even more so than they got. Um, the Liberals are weak. Uh, the rest of the country is divided. And so, uh, really, we need a, I mean, in the end, you do need a stronger leader, um, if I was to be very blunt about this. Well, a stronger leader, and, and, and who do you think that might be? Well, that's the question, and there's a vacuum of potential leaders. I mean, if Stephen Harper came back, <laughs> it'd be kind of interesting, but uh, <laughs> that's the yeah, pine-the-sky kind of thinking there. Um, in the end, they might stick to Andrew Scheer just because of a lack of a potentially uh, other type of viable candidates. Yeah, but you know, you, you, okay, you you brought up Harper. There's been a lot of talk about Ronna Ambrose. There's been talk about Peter McKay, even though I think he doth protest too much, to be honest with right. you. Um, you know, there there are some names uh, floating out there. I guess my question is, how long can you go with having all of these questions and all of these, I guess, yeah, all of these questions circling around him, um, you know, that aren't getting put on the back burner, you know, up until April, how long can you go before you have to say, okay, I, I, I got to go? I, how, do you, how do you tamp them down? Well, I mean, it's two different cohorts. One, the court he needs to really uh, um, look at is the UCP sort of. Uh, mm. um, and if he looks at the UCP and the UCP has his back in his core, and I feel like in his core they do have his back and they're, they're going to maintain uh, trust in him. The second cohort is the rest of Canada that it's outside of the UCP's uh, sort of uh, 
domain. So looking at Western BC, looking at parts of Ontario and Quebec, you need to have a leader who can appeal to those audiences a bit more if the UCP wants to become a truly national sort of party uh, that is going to win the next election. What do you make of the appointment of Ontario MP uh, Leona Alslav, uh, who crossed the floor from the Liberals in 2018? She was named the deputy leader of, of the party uh, just yesterday. What do you make of that? I mean, it's a good strategy insofar as trying to think in the long term, um, you know, you're moving it more to a centrist kind of individual. You're moving more towards trying to... Sh- maybe that's what the future of the Conservatives are going to be, being a bit slightly more centrist. The issue at hand, as you mentioned with uh, Andrew Shearer, is that uh, he is perceived by the, local, by the population as not being a centrist. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it is a good strategy, on the one hand, to attract greater votes. Uh, it's another strategy that it might be uh, a dent on Andrew Shearer's potential as a leader. Do you think he'll still be leader in April? Uh, my gut feeling is yes, he will be, um, but uh, we'll have to see in two years from now what <laughs> happens. <laughs> Do you think he'd survive? He'll survive that leadership review. Uh, it is a great chance he will, just because there is no real viable candidate. Mm. Uh, um, you know, it's, it's interesting. MPs return to Parliament uh, next week. It's been six weeks since the election. We haven't heard very much from the Prime Minister. And, Reza, I have to say that I think a lot of people, a lot of people want to hear from the Prime Minister, certainly. Um, well, I mean, some, a lot of folks out here maybe don't want to hear from the Prime Minister, but they want to hear him address the issues that um, that Albertans, uh, that uh, that folks in the West are concerned about. Um do you, do you find his quietness um, odd? It's not odd per se. It serves no interest at this stage for him to actually be super vocal. Mm. There's a lot of things in the background drop. So right now the premiers are about to meet, and they're going to talk about uh, w- ways in which they can address uh, some of the concerns regionally uh, that you know not, not only in Alberta and the Prairies, but also Quebec and Ontario have. And so I think from a strategic standpoint, it, it, and it, it makes sense to be quiet at this stage, just to, to, to decide what sort of see the lay of the land mm. and, and, and so forth. Um, I mean, it was a major dent to him as well as the prime minister. Um, so it, it's in his interest to you know, be a bit low-key at this stage. Now how does the prime minister, I know we, he named you know, Christia Freeland uh, deputy prime minister and um, you know, targeted, tapped her with you know, dealing with this growing uh, Western alienation talk. Um, how does the Prime Minister handle this? Well, I mean, it's not only Western alienation, it's Quebec alienation, yeah, true. Well, it's regional yeah. alienation. The Prime Minister needs to show that, you know, the federal government is concerned for all Canadians. And I don't think the issue at hand is, in Alberta, in Quebec, in, in most of our provinces, people are, are uneasy about their way of life in the, in the long run. Um, and so they don't feel as though, and, and, and the root cause of this uneasiness is very regionally oriented. So they don't feel the federal government understands them. So that's why there's conversations about separatism or uh, regional alienation. The prime minister needs to show and, um, you know, that he has a better understanding that this is not a one-size-fits-all so solution mm. to improving prosperity. It's, it needs, he needs to work with the provinces, and he needs to address those sort of individual regional variances that's creating these issues. Interesting. Um, you know what? I need to take a quick break here, at Reza. Can you hold the line? I sure. want to talk to you a little bit more about that uh, UCP AGM that uh, gets underway, or that is underway. I want to pick your brain on that. Reza Hazmath joining me this afternoon, a political scientist from the University of Alberta. More with him after this. Some of your texts coming in. 
Lyle says federal election is like a war. A war. Trudeau took a howitzer and Andrew Scheer took a pool noodle. <laughs> okay. And, um, and, uh, and this one saying, um, I think Peter McKay would make a great conservative leader. That's from Norm. We're talking about Reza Hazmath. Uh, we're talking with Reza Hazmath from uh, the University of Alberta this afternoon. He is a political scientist there. Talking about Shear, and uh, he is speaking tonight. Andrew Shear, the leader of uh, the Conservative Party Canada, speaking at the UCP AGM this evening and uh, talking about the importance of that uh, speech to uh, to those members because they're hardcore conservatives uh, right there. Reza wanted to talk uh, about that AGM and you know what happens at those. This is really kind of you know the get together of the grassroots grassroots fro- folks uh, with this party. Um, you know, floating all sorts of ideas, isn't it? Definitely. Yeah, I, I've not been to one, so I don't know how it works. Is it um, you know, things up for debate, things up for voting on? Um, generally speaking, they're electing new party board directors, um, and it's more of an internal sort of processes from that standpoint. What's your thought uh, so far on uh, how, how, how uh, Jason Kenney has uh, led this province since taking office? Um, I mean, from a university standpoint, that's very difficult. To I, know, I bet you it is. <laughs> but um, from a more generalistic, objective standpoint, I think it actually makes sense that he's he's trying to tap into uh, the sort of resentment, the sort of the concerns that that Albertans have about their futures, um, and so he's tapping into that sort of base. And so, um, I mean, his first budget came with some difficulties, um, some tough choices. However. It is tapping into those voices that they want a more lean and accountable government, but actually is looking after their futures. Whether it accomplishes that, that's another question. You know what, Reza, uh, the mayor of Edmonton, Don Iveson, was in Ottawa uh, for the past week, and we've been hearing about it in the newscast. He met with the prime minister uh, earlier today. His worship uh, asked about Western separ- uh, separation and alienation. He says, yeah, he believes that some people here are very angry. Uh, he believes it's critical for all three levels of government to work together to try to ease that angst. And he says, though, he hasn't heard much talk at all about Western separation in Edmonton. Your thoughts on this this growing sentiment uh, about Western separ- separation, and should we be poo-pooing it? It's not about poo-pooing it, <laughs> for lack of academic terms, but what it is is, um, <laughs> you know, it's the alienation that concerns me. To be very frank, I do not think it's realistic to think we're going to have a separate Alberta or, or Western provinces. What is of concern is the root causes of that, and that's an extreme example of the alienation. And the alienation is, again, due to the fact that the average Albertan does not feel their future is secure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're, we're heavily relying on the energy sector, and they've been having a down couple of years. Absolutely. And so people are feeling that their livelihoods are threatened. Uh, if we're looking for visionary leadership, Basically, what we need is to show, hey, we can not only you know, address those concerns, i.e., the, the, the sort of alienation, the root reasons why this alienation is occurring, but to actually restructure our economy, to actually you know, pivot away from energy. As, mm. um, so that's the big, big concerns here. Absolutely. Now, the problem at hand is our politicians are not equipped generally to think that long term. <laughs> and that's where we have issues. And so that's why we have these kind of knee-jerk reactions as Western separation and so forth, and that's the inherent issue. We've been talking about transitioning away from um, uh, the energy 
uh, transitioning from oil uh, for years. Uh, I've been in this. I've been in this city, in this province, for twenty years now, and I firmly believe we don't leave anything in the ground. Let's let's get it out. Right. Let's make some money on it. Let's do it. But you're right when you talk about thinking about long term. This is a long term project. This isn't um, you know three years. The end of the UCP mandate. And it's over and done. You know, wiggle your nose, click your heels. Everything's done, and we've been we've been able to come up with a transition. No, this is a a twenty thirty year down the road project, isn't it? Exactly. And, and I should clarify, when I mean transition out, I don't mean, I mean, we should not only rely on energy mm. we need to get the oil out, perhaps. Um, and that's, uh, I mean, that's, that's a debate there, but we do, we do have that resource. We need to go beyond that. Mm-hmm. And we have such a great potential to do that. We just need strategic thinking. Uh, Reza, I want to thank you for joining me this afternoon. I've appreciated the conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. All right, take care. We'll do it again sometime. Reza Hazmath, he is a professor, political scientist uh, at the University of Alberta. So again, Andrew Scheer, the leader of the federal conservatives, is in Alberta today speaking. He will deliver a speech tonight at uh, the UCP's AGM, which is uh, which is underway. And people are talking about it being a big speech. And what is it that he has to do to hold on to his job at this point? There have been calls left, right and center for him to uh, step down. Uh, then we talk about who would be up next. As I mentioned, you know, you have those names floating about. You have the Rano Ambroses. You have the Peter McKay's. Uh, there's been there's been talk. Uh, you know, is it uh, is it something that Jason Kenney would would want? Um, you know, timing probably not right for him at this moment. But can Andrew Shear hold on to that leadership review in April? We're looking what for five months down the road. How do you? Keep going on. How do you keep moving forward when you have those big guns gunning for you? You know, with the with the target on on uh, on his back. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, on on that front. Some of your texts coming in this afternoon. Um, okay, no, you're just correcting on some stuff. Um, but I appreciate all the texts at 780-496-0063. Mark Laurie says, Jay Lynn, Don Iveson hasn't a clue what Edmontonians are thinking. Separation has a lot to do with Alberta's economy, but more a complete disrespect and dismissiveness from our federal liberal government. <laughs> and he goes on to say it's a dismissive message further propagated by Main Street mainstream media that is mark laurie texting in this afternoon mark always great to hear from you um yeah and then you you know more people coming in saying you know peter mckay what about rona what would have happened if if uh you know ambrose was was leading and again what if what if what if i know um a couple other things wanted to get to we've heard them talking about it in the news uh hs alberta health services saying um they're looking at cutting 500 full-time equivalent nursing positions. Uh, that works out to 750 nurses losing their jobs. Uh, in a letter to the United Nurses of Alberta, it says that while their funding is remaining the same, they expect to have to do with a lot more with the same resources in, in the near future. They are very disappointed. They're upset with this. Um, the United Nurses negotiator, David Harrigan, saying everyone is going to feel the impact of this cut. It means very significant number of layoffs. It means longer wait lists. It means less care. It likely means uh, more privatization. 
Uh, Harrigan saying that nurses feeling very betrayed because Premier Kenny and his government ran on a promise in the election to reduce spending but keep frontline care intact. The finance minister saying that the government promised to maintain it in the most cost-effective way possible, and that means some jobs may have to go. So healthcare, and we know what a huge budget healthcare is, huge budget it is, and we keep talking about trying to find ways to trim the fat, trim the fat. And I'm looking at it going, you know, is, is frontline, the nurses, is that trimming the fat? In my opinion, it's not. I, I, there's got to be other places where it can be trimmed. Um but, you know, I'm not in there. I don't, I don't work that. I, I, I sit behind a mic and talk to you uh, in the afternoon. But I think um, if you have been in the hospital system, if you've had to go to the hospital, if you've been dealing with it at all, you know um, how, you know, pegged to the wall, you know, these, these front care workers are in, in, uh, in health care. Anyway, we'll see what happens. We'll keep you updated on that. The latest coming up here in the news.